Thank you, Jesus. Uh, thank you, Lord. Jesus, we love you. We honor you. We worship you. That will never change. We worship you in spirit and truth. The waves may roar. The sea may do all kinds of crazy stuff. The world may implode. But you are constant. You are faithful. You are true. And we're in your embrace. And we honor you. And we love you. And we give you all glory and praise. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for being right here with us. We open our hearts to you that you may have free access and freedom to take us exactly where you want to today in each of our hearts individually, each in the different ways that we each need in our personal walk and our journey. Thank you, Holy Spirit, that you are able to speak to each one in a very unique and powerful way as we direct our heart to you, and listen to you through everything else. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 It's so nice that Jesus never changes, huh? Everything else, you know, can change. <laughs> Things happen and whatever. This morning I was just um, thinking, uh, yeah, kids... Did they go already? I don't even know what's going on anymore. <laughs> Did the kids already? Anyway, yeah, kids going that way. So uh, if you're new or visiting, don't worry about, you know, don't feel pressured, this offering thing going around, but if you want, you can. But um, what was I going to say? Yes, this morning I was just thinking, or just, just kind of came how, you know, our walk, it's, you can be a fast runner, you can be a sprinter, and you can be... But life is not a sprint. Life is made up of a series of steps, and we walk forward with our God. And, you know, sometimes... So, sometimes we... There was this one song, it was by, uh, you know, St. Francis uh, of Assisi. You've heard of him, I mentioned him before. Anybody know who I'm talking about? <laughs> And uh, he, he uh, had a prayer or something they would sing, I, I don't know, because he was, he was somebody who, as a young, a young man, he was uh, disillusioned with religion and uh, the, all the stuff that went with it, and his parents bring him to church, but it was kind of a very... Um, not a whole lot of life in that church. And so he went away and he broke away and he just, um, in search of truth. And until one day, just, he had a revelation of Jesus. He, he just, in church, just the Lord touched him because his heart was directed towards God. He really wanted to know the truth. And Jesus just revealed him, him Self to, to him, and he, his life completely changed. And um, from that day, he just wanted to live simply and powerfully, but simply, and without all the trappings of everything and, and all of this. And so he determined that he's just going to step by step walk with Jesus. And there was this old stone church that would, had been destroyed or whatever, and all the stones. It was like rubble, a big rubble heap near the little town, village, whatever, where he was. And so he went down there, and he just started taking each stone and just putting it into place very slow in the middle of winter and all this stuff. And he left everything behind. He just forsook all material possessions, and he just went. So he was, you know, <laughs> and just by himself, stone by stone. And, but yet people were attracted to the sim sim simple simplicity, yet powerful life that he demonstrated. And so soon there was a, a, a lot of bunch of people walking with him. And, but he had this one song, and, it, and um, I won't sing it because I need the word. <laughs> I was going to, but I couldn't find it. I needed my, my chords and notes and all that, maybe for next time. But um, I'll, I'll try to remember some words so you can at least get the gist of it. And he says, if you want your dreams to be, take your time Go slowly. Do few things, but do them well. 
heartfelt work grows purely, I think. Um, day by day, stone by stone, build your dream slowly. Um, see, I need, I need the words here. Um, but, it, but he just was talking about, look, life is not a sprint. We walk with our God. Step by step, we learn things. There's bumps along the way. Jesus said, in this world, you'll have tribulation. Be of good cheer, I've overcome the world. So the one constant is our God, our Heavenly Father. He, he, is, he said, heaven, Jesus said, heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. Because God, he said, I am God, I change not. He is always love. He is always joy. He, he, is, he is our constant anchor. And so if, if he alone truly is the focus of our heart, we will never be shaken no matter what goes on because he is constant in our lives. So I just woke up or in the morning and just kind of felt to share that. So we, let, let's learn to enjoy the Lord, walk with our God, because the joy of the Lord is our strength. And he is worthy of our worship at all times. And as we do that, his light lights our way so we can see where we need to go. All right. So I did have some slides, actually, to show, but unfortunately I couldn't get that working either. So um, have you ever had a soup or some food and... Somebody forgot to put the salt in it. Just, there was no salt. Well, how, how was that? Did you enjoy it? I mean, uh, <laughs> but with, it's, it's amazing that just a little bit of salt actually, because you, you don't want to put too much actually, right? You know, but a little bit of salt just brings that uh, soup or that, that food really makes it very nice. Um, today I wanted to talk about living the salty Christian life. And I was going through and just looking at different things, and there's, it's, it's amazing how many, um, how many, um, let's say, um, how much there is in salt in, in terms of what we can get from it about the Christian life. So I wanted to go through there because Jesus said, you know, of course, we are the salt of the earth, right? So if you're the salt of the earth, um, it's good to dig a little deeper and just find out what, what was he talking about. Because also, in, the, um, in their culture, in the, in the Eastern culture and things, it was, there was a lot of things about salt that we don't even realize. You know, they, in the Bible, it talks about the covenant of salt. What's that all about? Well, we'll look at that. It talks, you know, in, in their culture, if you ate salt with somebody, it was like a, a, a very powerful covenant between you and them. It was an act of friendship. It was an act of bonding together. And we're going to look at uh, some of these things. But we know salt, it, um, it preserves, right? I mean, they, when they discovered that salt would preserve food and the meats, that was a big help, especially when you didn't have refrigerators back then, right? And so they would preserve the meat and they would... Um, the, salt, the salt was a very, very precious commodity. Wars were fought over salt, um, I think it was, uh, where was that that happened? In Venice and Genoa in Italy, they, way back when, they were fighting over the salt. Salt played a role in the American Revolution. <laughs> you know, salt was a very, very precious commodity. It was, um, the word salad, actually, a little information here, comes, it kind of originated in, from the Roman practice of putting salt on their leafy vegetables, you know, so the word salad comes from the word, um, the French salade, which comes from the Latin salata, which means, which comes from sal, which means salt. So the word salad, um, salt was used as a currency in some places here in Africa. For example, in Ethiopia, they would use uh, little slabs of salt as coins and currency, and they would actually, you know, buy and, and, and trade and things like that. Um, it was said that the Romans paid at a certain time or whatever their soldiers with salt, and that's where we get the, the, uh, 
the uh, the saying is that are you you know are you worth your salts you know it's it, um, because that was actually used it was a very precious commodity so this is the whole context so when we understand the Bible we need to put ourselves actually and try to understand the context and we'll context of their culture and we'll actually glean more more from it because for us generally when we think of salt it's like okay then yeah put some salt on my food it's normal it's kind of but you know back then to get salt it was a you know cities uh, and civilizations actually rose around salt Salzburg in Austria have you heard of Salzburg okay it grew um, it means salt castle and Hallstatt and Hallang, those maybe you haven't heard of, but those are also cities there. They were all near the river Salzach, which means salt river. So that was Salzburg was a city that came, took on that word salt because, and it became, you know, the salt trade was very instrumental there. Liverpool, England, um, grew great due to uh, the salt exports that were happening through its port. Munich grew because of the salt trade and its key position in the salt trade route. Poland, my wife's not here. Poland. In the 16th century, they had great salt mines and it led to a vast kingdom until Germany started bringing in sea salt and kind of took over that. So it, and in England, there's a lot of towns that end in witch, like, uh, not witch, um, wicked witch, but W-I-C-H, middle witch, nant witch, north witch, left witch. There's all these uh, cities that they're associated with salt producing, those, those that have that ending. So all of that to say that... Uh, Salt was very, very instrumental throughout history. Christopher Columbus, heard of Christopher Columbus? Uh, he was financed on his voyages through the salt production in, from Spain. And the salt tax in France was one of the causes of the French Revolution. Okay, so Gandhi, okay, let's talk about Gandhi. Sorry, I'm throwing a lot of information at you just to kind of give you an idea how important salt was, first of all, okay, in, in history. Gandhi in 1930 led at least 100,000 people on the Dandi March, or the salts, uh, they called it the salt satyagraha, whatever. Protesters made their own salt from the sea, thus defying the British rule and avoiding paying the salt tax. And this civil disobedience inspired millions of common people and elevated that Indian independence movement. Okay, so let's get a little closer to the human body. What does salt do in the human body? Our body very much needs salt, but it cannot produce it itself, uh, which kind of you know, reminds me how of our dependence upon God, right? We depend upon him. Um, our bodily functions, the fluids in our body that transport oxygen and nutrients is made possible because of the salt content in our body. If we didn't have that salt content, that oxygen and the nutrients would not flow in our body. Um, our bodies are mostly made of water, and so it maintains the fluid balance. It, it also enables the transmission of our nerve impulses. So without salt in your body, you, you, your brain, you, you wouldn't be able to control your body. You, you, those nerve endings, which, um, I mean, a million impulses are firing just by doing this you know salt makes that possible it regulates those electrical charges moving in and out of the cells of our body controls with your sense of tastes uh, smell touch and all of that made possible through salt which is if we think of it in a spiritual sense um, being salty in the way Jesus said he because Jesus talked about you're, you are the salt, you're, you're light, you're salt. And so our spiritual senses are active when we are being salty, which we'll talk about in a bit. Um, our muscles, being able to contract our muscles, including the heart, without salt, that wouldn't work. Uh, in our stomach, it helps break down the stuff that goes in there and, and to digest the food we eat. Okay. So... If Jesus says we are the salt of the world, or we, we're, um, sorry, we are, yeah, the salt of the earth, obviously he lived that way as well. And Matthew four twenty three it says, Jesus went about all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel 
of the kingdom and healing all kinds of sickness and all kinds of disease among the people. So Jesus lived a different life than everybody else. And he was demonstrating to us how a son of God lives. We know that. So he lived what we can say is a salty life. Okay? And one of the things salt does is it uh, disinfects, it purifies. And in Acts 10.38, it says, Jesus was going around doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. And because God is with us, we will do the same things Jesus said and greater. So that salt, while it helps and purifies, it also brings destruction to germs and to those type of things. And they, they use salt or solutions with salt to cleanse wounds and to heal uh, those, um, the stuff that shouldn't be there. So it's kind of a double-edged sword. And Jesus, it says the word of God, you know, when he comes in Revelation, his word is like a double-edged sword. So it, the, his word brings life, but it also brings destruction to the works of the enemy. And so when we embody the word of God as well, and when we're being salty, so to speak, then his word brings life. But when the devil tries to get involved with his works, whatever steals, kills, and destroys, in that same saltiness, in the same word of God, his life comes through and brings destruction to the enemy, yet gives life and healing where needed. So in Matthew 5, we went through a few Sundays ago about the Beatitudes. Blessed are the, the poor in spirit, the meek, those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, the merciful, the pure in heart, the peacemakers. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness. And right after that, Jesus talked about salt. In verse 13, Matthew 5, he said, You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its flavor, how shall it be seasoned? It is then good for nothing but to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. So, first of all, how does salt lose its flavor? It's not actually scientifically possible to do something to salt to make it unsalty. So that, that doesn't work. And that kind of reminds me of the life of Christ, his word. He, he doesn't change, okay? But how, so what was Jesus talking about when, about salt losing its flavor? Um, back then, they didn't refine their food and things so much. And so salt was, unrefined salt had different kind of minerals or, or different uh, things attached to it, which was fine. And it actually, you know, added some things to it. But um, if it would get watered down or water would, you know, if it would be kind of exposed to water and all this kind of thing, then the salt would leach away. And what you would be left with is something that kind of looked like salt, but it wasn't salty. Okay. And so the um, in Mark 7.13, Jesus talked about, you know, when we talk about divine healing, for example, we say there's only two things that can stop healing, right? One is unbelief, right? Jesus said, if you believe, all things are possible and nothing will be impossible for you. He said, if you speak to that mountain and do not doubt in your heart, you know, it will happen. So unbelief stops what God would like to do through us and traditions of, of men. What Jesus talked about in Mark seven thirteen, that we can make the word of God of no effect through your tradition, which you have handed down. And so Jesus was talking about the religious uh, Pharisees and religious leaders of the day who would actually, you know, teach stuff, which is not according to the word of God. And so those, if we listen to those things instead of the word of God, for example, God's word says there are no impossibilities to the one who believes, right? And, but yet someone else will do a teaching and say, yes, but A, B, C, D, E, F, G, right? So what do we believe? Do we put stock on what Jesus said? Said, look, Jesus, this is what he said. If we believe... All things are possible to the one who believes. He said, believers, lay hands on the sick and they will recover. Believers, 
cast out devils, believers uh, speak with new tongues, believers, you know, and there's all kinds of assurances we have from God's word of who we are and what sons of God do. Okay, so but so we need to be careful about listening to other doctrines and teachings which would water that salt. Okay, it doesn't change the salt because it will never. The word of God does not change, but that water of false teachings can come in, and the word of God becomes of none effect because unbelief and and all of that begins to come in, and so we need to make sure that we cherish the word of God. Things may happen in life that uh, may we don't understand why. You know, it's by you know we we're doing. But we know in that situation. But yet something, uh, something bad happens or something happens that seems to be opposite of what the Word of God says. So what do you do in that situation? Well, salt doesn't change. It is we who are growing up into the fullness of Christ in all things. And so when we keep our eyes fixed on Jesus and we keep moving forward then we, then we will continue to grow up into him in all things. So, but we, we need to make the choice to not lose our saltiness. Uh, the scripture tells us, have salt in your speech, have salt in yourselves. So, Jesus made us a new creation when we're born again. We're salty by nature. We, are, we have the life of God in us. We are carriers Christ in you, the hope of glory. We carry Christ. We carry the life of God. We are salty. We are sons of God. We are, you know, that salt, if it touches the work of the devil, it will destroy, the, it will destroy but it will bring life where it needs to bring life. So when Jesus said, be salty, what he's really saying is, abide in me. Abide in my word. John 15, if you abide in me, my word abides in you. You will ask whatever you will and it shall be done. Because there will be no unbelief. There will be no, nothing to hinder the flow of God's life coming through us to do what he promised will be done. And so we need to be on guard against anything that would bring every thought captive to, to the obedience of Christ. And allow nothing but the simple purity of God's word to to dictate our, our frame of mind and our way of thinking. So this, uh, this salt, which would uh, have lost its um, saltiness, as Jesus was talking about, sometimes they would uh, get salt from a certain area and they would dig into there and they would... Um, the salt on the outside would be... Some of it would be not salty anymore, right? It would be the leftover. But the salt, which was close to, like, the, the, the rock inside, you know, it was still salty. So that those outer layers can lose the saltiness, but when we stay close and we abide in Jesus and we guard those, th those, those thoughts and we stay close to him, then we can stay salty. But the salt that they would find which was not salty and then they would just, they, would, they wouldn't put it on the ground because when you put um, that salt on a field or whatever, it inhibits the growth of the, the life in that field. So they would put it in the street because on the street it won't harm anything and so it was trampled underfoot. And so that's what they would do when they would find salt, which was not really salty. They would just throw it into the street. <clears throat> in, um, where were we here? Matthew, we're reading from the Beatitudes in Matthew 5 where Jesus said, you're the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its flavor, how will it be seasoned? And then verse 14 says, You are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father as in heaven. So for that light to shine, we need to stay salty. You know, if we're, if we're not being salty, then the, God's light is not shining before men, so they will not see the works of God. The works of God are clear. It is not a work of man. The miracles that happen, it is because we have faith 
in Jesus, and it's not a work of man. And so for that light to shine, we need to stay salty. So the, the thing to keep in mind uh, through all of this is, am I living a salty life? Am I cherishing the words of Christ and letting nothing penetrate into that faith in God and his word? That's, that's part of worshiping him in spirit and in truth, is to cherish him and his words so much that even if everything else seems to go haywire and it doesn't compute, we know God is faithful. We know his word is true. And so we let nothing penetrate that faith and worship of God himself. And we take the time to walk with him. His joy becomes our strength. That fellowship, that relationship with him permeates everything and so we, we're going, we continue to go forward instead of backwards. Because when we're traveling a direction, I mean, when you set out to go somewhere, you're either headed that towards it or away from it. Our goal is to walk in the fullness of Christ so God can get the most glory through our lives and because that's his will for us, right? Is to live like Jesus with the same power, the same love, the same saltiness that brings healing and destruction to the works of the enemy with that same manifestation of the Spirit of God. So if we know we're going there, then we need to look at our steps. Um, are our steps of faith leading us towards that direction or are the things we're thinking about and giving place to our mind leading us in a different direction, You know, explaining things away through traditions of men and watered-down ear-tickling teachings or, or whatever the case may be. So we need to know where we're going and keep walking there. And just like exercising muscles, when Jesus said, this is what believers do, let's make sure we're doing that. Go into all the world. Okay, this is part of the world right here. So go and those who need healing, heal the sick. Those who need the gospel, share the gospel. Be his love. Blessed are the peacemakers. So we make peace. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness. Righteousness is faith in operation. Abraham believed God. It was accounted to him for righteousness. So when we take steps of faith and obedience, we are um, going after God's righteousness being displayed for all to see. So we're being, we're, that's called living the salty life so that his light can shine through us so people can taste and taste, salt, taste and see, salty taste, and see the light. Taste and see that God is good. So that's something that people experience by the senses, right? We are supposed to be salt so that people can taste God and see God, His works, His Spirit, His love through us. So we walk with Him, we abide in him. We keep going forward, growing up into him in all things so that people can taste and people can see. In Mark 9, 38. Um, so I'm just going to give you some context before he talks about the salt down here in verse 49. So let's start in verse 38. So in this Mark 9, 38, um, John was talking to Jesus and he said, Teacher, we saw someone who does not follow us, casting out demons in your name. And we forbade him because he does not follow us. Okay. So Jesus said, don't forbid him. No one who works a miracle in my name will soon afterwards speak evil of me. For he who is not against us is on our side. Whoever gives you a cup of water to drink in my name, because you belong to Christ, truly I say to you, he will not lose his reward. So Jesus said, okay, John, don't worry, calm down a little bit. He's casting out a demon. That's a good thing. <laughs> He's doing, you know, what you're doing. Well, then he who is not against us is for us. So he's saying, you know, he, he, th that's a good thing. So Jesus was not, uh, you know, just trying to build a denomination or something like that. He was interested in people working the works of God. He was interested in people knowing God, walking with him, having faith in his name. And clearly, if somebody's casting out a demon, then somebody has faith in the name of Jesus. That's a good thing. Okay? So, and then in verse 42, he says, But whoever causes one of these little ones who believe in me to stumble, 
It would better be better for him if a millstone were hung around his neck and thrown into the sea. So somebody is serving the Lord. He said, don't, don't hinder that. That's, encourage him to, to, do the, uh, to continue. And then he talks about some pretty drastic things. He says, if your hand causes you to sin, cut it off. It's better for you to enter into life maimed than having two hands go to hell, where the fire is that will never be quenched, where the worm does not die and the fire is not quenched. Okay, so that's pretty drastic. If your hand causes you to sin, cut it off. He says the same thing about your foot. If your foot causes you to sin, cut it off. If your eye causes you to sin, pluck it out. It's better for you to enter the kingdom of God with one eye rather than having two eyes. And then he says, verse 49, For everyone will be seasoned with fire, and every sacrifice will be seasoned with salt. Salt is good, but if the salt loses its flavor, how will you season it? So he's repeating there. And then he says, Have salt in yourselves, and have peace with one another. So it says, Everyone will be seasoned with fire. Another scripture that comes to mind is consider it all joy when the, um, at the fiery trials, which is to try you, and don't consider it a strange thing because when we come through that, we, we have shown our faith toward God. We, have, we don't let anything sway us. And so it's like uh, compared to the gold refined by the fire. So in this world, Jesus said, you will have tribulations. But be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. So there are many things that will test our faith and trust in God throughout life. There are many things just by the nature of being in this world. Because the God, <clears throat> Jesus called Satan the God of this world. Because he's the one most people go after. Most people believe his doctrine of selfishness, of living just for self and just kind of you know, ignoring uh, God and all the rest. And so... That's what most people go after. But Jesus says, everything will be seasoned with fire. Our God is a consuming fire. And the closer we get to him, the more of those things, those impurities get burnt away. If you start traveling towards the sun, there's going to be a certain point where it's getting really hot. <laughs> and, you know, things are going to start to melt. So definitely you wouldn't be able to visit it in, in this body. But the closer we get to Jesus the Son, then as a natural byproduct of that, all the things of this world which are incompatible with light, just as where light is, there can be no darkness, right? Where faith is, there can be no fear. If we are truly in faith, believing God, that's a place of peace because no fear. Light and darkness cannot coexist. So we make the choice to believe God. We... We realize life is not a sprint, it's a, and we keep going. We keep going the right direction. We keep having faith in God through the trials, through the tests, through the fires, through whatever. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they got thrown into the furnace there. But God was with them, and they came out without the smell of smoke. If we walk with our God, we will come out without the smell of smoke. I just had my thumb on my electronic device here and everything went zoop. <laughs> okay, let me go back there. Okay, so Jesus was pretty drastic when he said, hey, your hand caused you sin? No problem. Cut it off. To most people, that would uh, <clears throat> seem drastic. But listen, okay, this is... This is Jesus, right? So there's something there that he wants us to get, right? If your foot causes you to sin, cut it off. If your eye causes it, pluck it out. For everyone will be seasoned with fire. God is a consuming fire. He burns away the impurities. The closer we get to him, the less the attractions of this world, the hold, the less it will have a hold on us. And our goals and our desires, the way we want to live life becomes more in line with how Jesus lived his life. And so, focused dedication. I mean, you've got to be pretty dedicated to cut off your hand. No? I mean, who, who's, who's going to, you know, 
All right. Okay. My foot is causing me to sin. Okay. Chomp. I mean, you've got to be dedicated to do that, right? Are you with me? So, um, spiritually speaking, okay, thankfully, there's ways we can apply this <laughs> scripture without chopping off uh, our physical foot. I'll, you know, but the thing, what does Jesus want us to get from this? He says, you've got to be drastic sometimes. Sometimes you've got to take some steps which seem extreme. Whatever you need to do to get rid of that thing that is causing you to, I don't know, whether it's to be distracted or to sin, Jesus said, you know, to whatever's hindering us from going forward with God, growing up into Christ and all things, we need to have a good hard look and sometimes take drastic measures. Sometimes it takes a drastic measure in order to make progress in order to put ourselves in a different paradigm, in order to, that we will be not just involved in the same old, same old all the time. You know, um, somebody said, it, it's a crazy person who thinks things are going to change, but yet they keep living and doing exactly the same thing day after day. If we keep living and doing the same thing day after day, everything is going to be as it always has been. If we want change, if we want to be on the next level that God has for us, and it seems there is uh, a struggle to get there or, or like it's just not happening, you know what I'm saying? Then we need to sit with God and say, okay, God, what do I need to cut off? Foot, leg, eye, uh, so to speak, you know what I'm saying? What is it that I need to cut out? Maybe, you know, there's a lot of good things in life. There's, and, you know, the Apostle Paul said, all things are lawful, but not all things are profitable for me to do. I can do every, anything, you know. Nothing is not lawful for me. But not everything is profitable. Not everything is going to propel me forward towards my goal for which I press forward in Christ to lay hold of everything that Christ died to give me, Philippians 3. He said, I press forward to live this resurrection life that Jesus lived and demonstrated. And so sometimes we, uh, it is very good if we feel a bit stagnant, if we feel like this, this needs to, to go forward more. Just see if there's something the Lord is asking you to cut off so that our focus, everybody has the same amount of hours in the day, right? We all have the same um, opportunities, but it's what we do with those that makes the difference between somebody who changes the world and somebody who doesn't. And so G Christ is the same, right? This, his saltiness within us is the same. His potency to destroy the works of the devil and bring healing and purification and preservation and uh, that same saltiness to give life, it, 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 it's the same. Jesus is the same in you and me and in every believer who is truly a believer and born again. But it is what we do from that point forward how closely are we abiding in His Word, abiding with Him, walking with Him? How closely are we, if something gets in the way and something is just, you know, causing us, are we willing to cut it off, you know, in order to progress with God? I mean, Jesus said some pretty uh, other drastic things, which we'll read just now. For example... Luke 14, 25. Great multitudes went with him, and he turned and said to them. Okay, it, it seems to me, well, biblically speaking, that whenever there were great multitudes following Jesus, he thought it was too many. Well, he really wanted to see why they're following. So he would usually pull out a hard saying. Like in Luke 6, he, he said, Eat my flesh, drink my blood. If you don't eat my flesh and drink my blood, you have no life in yourself. 
and a lot of people went away. Then Jesus turned to his disciples and he said, the door's that way. Do you also want to go? <laughs> I didn't say the door's that way. But he said, will you also go away? And, he said, and the disciple, I think it was Peter, he said, Lord, to whom, where, where are we going to go? You're speaking the words of eternal life. And so they had enough faith in Jesus that even though they didn't understand, they knew he, he's a source of life. The, the words that he was speaking are spirit and they are life. And so sometimes we won't understand or whatever, but their faith kept them going that direction. So now this is another one of these uh, hard sayings that he's telling people. So great multitudes were fall- went with him, and he turned and said to them, If anyone comes to me and does not hate his father and mother and wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, and his own life also, is there anyone he didn't include there? I mean, goodness. If you do not hate father, mother, wife, children, your own life, you cannot be my disciple. If your foot causes you sin, chop it off. If your eye, pluck it out. And then Jesus says something like this. Hate even your own life also. What's he trying to do? He's trying to purify that gold so that it can be used in the most precious situations. He's trying to make sure that salt is unhindered with, from being watered down with the things of this world and the distractions of this world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, all of these things that water down that pure salt and leach away the potency of that salt. And Jesus is, is saying, look, God is light. In him is no darkness at all. God is life. In him there is no death. God is the embodiment of everything pure, holy, right, and good. If we want to know him and to walk with him, he said, blessed are the pure in heart, they will see God. God is not our genie. God is not our magic lamp. God is not our... He doesn't want to be just the one we run to when we're in trouble and the one who can just magically make everything well. and We're missing so much if that's our rapport with God. What he's after is our heart. Blessed are the pure in heart. What does that mean? That means in our heart is totally focused on God. And, you know, that is where God wants to bring us. And we're walking with him. He loves us. He's patient. I mean, if he wasn't patient, we'd all be dead. (laughs) If he didn't, if his love, if he was not the embodiment of love and patience and goodness and all of this, there was no room for anybody to grow and we'd all be wiped off the face of the earth. But Jesus came and demonstrated God's love in the patience, in the love. I mean, even his disciples, you know, he said, Remember in, in the end of Mark there and before he sent them out, just before he went back to heaven, first thing he did when he appeared in that room where they were, he rebuked them for their hardness of heart because they didn't believe uh, the ladies who had seen him uh, and Martha, or yeah, Mary Magdalena, after he had resurrected, they didn't believe. Their, their heart was hardened. And so first he rebuked their hardness of heart and then he said, okay, Now, go into all the world. Preach the gospel, the good news. Heal the sick. Raise the dead. Tell them about my kingdom. So God is very patient with us. But we need to know the direction we're going. We need to know where we will experience the fullness of Christ and his effective power and authority coming through us in full measure, unhindered by doubts and unbelief, unhindered by all these worldly mindsets, whatever, but walking with our God, faith in His Word, keep walking forward no matter what's happening, and we will make progress. We will put one foot in front of the other. We will cut away whatever needs to be cut away in order to keep walking that direction if our heart 
is truly on God. And just for the record here, when God is supreme, his love comes through an amazing way towards our father, towards our mother, towards our wives, towards our children. It's just in relation to God himself. He, there's, there's, there's one God. There is one whom we give our life to. And then his love comes through and we experience true love with our spouse, with our children, with our... Um, even it says, love your enemy. So if, if he said, love your enemy, what's he doing here saying, hate your... If you don't hate your father, mother... So obviously there is... What we need to understand through this is God's love wants to permeate everything. But God, for God's love to permeate everything, he needs to be our all in all. Because he is love. God is love. He is light. So when we truly give our full attention and focus to him, then we will, with his love and light, be interacting and experience amazing relationships with, with those who are close to us and those, and even to the degree where we can love our enemies. Okay. So, <clears throat> so Jesus was saying these hard things, and then he was saying, uh, count the costs. If you want to build a tower, which one of you will do that without first counting the cost, whether you have enough to finish it? Lest after you lay a foundation, you're not able to finish, all who see begin to laugh and mock. Or what king going to war against another king doesn't consider first whether he is able to, with his 10,000, meet him who comes against him with 20,000. So likewise, whoever of you does not forsake all that he has cannot be my disciple. So again, he's saying here, Consider the cost. What, what does it mean? It says, if you don't forsake all that you have, you cannot be my disciple. What does that mean? It means we'll never see God clear enough. Our heart will not be focused clearly enough to be able to experience him in the full measure and way that God wants to be. So, it's good to check our heart and to see where it's directed so that everything else um, will dim in comparison with the brightness of our God. And then we will be able to see clearly to, to, to be his salt, to be, uh, Jesus said, you're the light of the world, to let his light shine. Colossians 4, 6 says, let your speech be always with grace. Oh, sorry, I forgot the salt one. So, verse 34, after forsaking all that he has, then he mentions the salt again. Salt is good, but if the salt has lost its flavor, how then will it be seasoned? It's not fit for the land or the dunghill, but men throw it out. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. So all of these things, you know, these hard sayings and whatever, and then he, he talks about the salt. Salt is good, but don't lose the flavor. Don't let it get watered down and leached away with the things of this world. Keep our heart purely directed Upon him, let's keep walking forward with our Father. Then we will be able to manifest Christ to the world in the full measure. We're not talking about just operating in the power of God. It's through faith, by grace, he's paid for it. If you're a believer, you lay hands on the sick and they become well. Faith in his name. Smith Wigglesworth just said, just believe. <laughs> just believe. That was his theme, theme song. Just believe. God said it. It's true. Believe his word and that miracle, that healing will come. But we're talking about more. We're talking about uh, walking with our God to such a degree that his love is manifest, everything. But it is our nature. We just need to walk accordingly. When we realize that it's not something we're trying to attain, like we talked about righteousness a few weeks ago. It's not something we're, we're trying to attain. It's... The Bible says, awaken to righteousness. We realize who we are and we start living accordingly. We start having faith accordingly. We start stepping out accordingly. That's being salty. It's not trying to be salty. You can't change salt. You can't ma manufacture. It, Christ in you is your saltiness. Christ in me is my saltiness. Now we have to live according to that Son of God nature, which we have inside of us by believing his word stepping out in faith doing and living and when the choice comes to love or to hate or to pull back 
we choose the right thing and we step forward and do what Jesus would do. That is this journey of life. It's not a sprint of life, but we, we keep moving forward. We need to know our destination. We need to stay salty and keep walking that direction. Colossians 4, 6, Let your speech be with grace, seasoned with salt, that you may know how to answer each one. Somebody asks a question, Yeah, but what about this? What did Jesus say? There's no, ex there's no other right explanation. Jesus, His promises are true. His word is true. As we grow up into Him with our heart focus and stepping out in faith, we will see things to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. So let your speech be seasoned with salt. We can only say what Jesus said. We, there is no other explanation because any other explanation wouldn't be truth. Jesus said, I'm the way, I'm the truth. We hold on to his word and we go forward with his word. <clears throat> In 2 Corinthians 2.14, talks about how Jesus always leads us to be triumphant and the fragrance of the knowledge of him goes all around. For one, we are the aroma of Christ to God among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing. To the one, a fragrance from death to death, from the other to the other, a fragrance of life to life. So salt brings healing, deliverance, freedom, but for the works of the enemy, destruction. Christ is powerful in you. If, you walk, if we walk away with one maybe a couple things, walk away with this. You are salty. You do have Christ in you. He can do what he said. He, I mean, we know for God, right? There's no impossibilities for him. He's the one who does the works, right? Jesus said, I can of my own self do nothing. It is my Father who does the works. The Spirit of God in you and in me has equipped us already to do the works of God. We are ready now, not tomorrow, now. We can do what Jesus said we can do because it's him who does it. Now, to be salty means to live according to that nature of the Spirit of God that he has made us to be in cause when we were born again. Being salty is living according to our true nature, God's DNA within us, Christ in you. It's choosing to walk by faith and live accordingly to his word and what he said, and thus the works of God will be made manifest. His love will be made manifest. His enduring all things, believing all things, hoping all things, enduring all things, love never fails. God never fails. So let us keep moving forward and not try to get there, but realize we are there in Christ. And now the saltiness is living accordingly to who we really are. Just real quick, this... Uh, um, in Second Chronicles 13.5, just real quick, it talks about a covenant of salt. It says, Should you not know that the Lord God of Israel gave the dominion over Israel to David forever, to him and his sons, by a covenant of salt. You ever heard that before? You ever read that? <laughs> covenant of salt. Numbers 18.19 talks about, It is a covenant of salt forever before the Lord, with you and your descendants with you. He was talking to the priests and a covenant of salt. So salt was of such value that even God in the Bible there was using it as it's a covenant of salt. So when we live that salty life of believing God's word and we step out by faith to take him at his word and keep going and doing what he was doing, we are abiding by that covenant of salt, of saltiness. We are continuing to be salty and living according to the nature of God that as sons and daughters of God that he has put within us and we're living according to that nature, that covenant of salt is active. That having salt within ourselves, speaking saltily, and, and that we, we are honoring that covenant with God to remain salty, to walk by faith and not by sight, to not let anything sway us from what the Word of God says, and we keep going step by step, forward and forward. We're honoring that being salty 
And Jesus said, abide in me. That's what he meant, abide in me. He could have said, be salty. Abide in my word. He could have said, be salty. Walk by faith. He could have said, be salty. But being salty includes all these things. It is being. It may seem like a widow's mite in that big bucket. Remember, Jesus said, all these people giving in out of their excess lots. But she gave what she had, and she gave her might, and God made a whole teaching through that. When we, though we may think, what is my life? What is my this? Well, uh, you're a son of God. You are the bride of Christ. You are enjoined to him. You may feel, the devil tries to make us think like, oh, you're insignificant, small. But when we start living according to the nature of God within us and being salty, then his light starts shining through us and we are like that city set on a hill. People will taste and see that God is good and we are just honoring that covenant of salt, so to speak. Um, in the Eastern culture, um, there was one guy, his name was Bishop K.C. Pillay. He was in, of the Orthodox, uh, he became a Christian. He was a Hindu, he became a Christian. But he was so familiar with the Eastern customs because that's what he grew up in. And uh, he was saying that the, coven the salt covenant is an irrevocable pledge and promise of faithfulness. Those who've taken salt together would rather die before they would break their covenant. And he further states that the penalty for violating such a covenant is death. So it was a strong being salty, tasting that salt with somebody. We've tasted the Lord's salt. He's the salty one. He is the life. He is eternal life. We've tasted and seen that God is good. We're in this covenant of salt with him. And now our duty is to live the, the salty life, walk by faith not by sight, and so that we can um, be, so that we can manifest whom we're, we're supposed to be. Really quick, just a couple interesting facts. Newborn babies were rubbed with, rubbed with salt. You can read about that in Ezekiel 16.4 to indicate, kind of dedicating a baby to the Lord. They would rub him with salt, actually, to, to say this child will have integrity and be truthful, faithful. Um, temple offerings, they were always seasoned with salt. What was offered to God, that food? Salt, again, the covenant of salt. The incense before the Lord in the meeting place in the temple? Salt, it was salted. Salt was included there. Um, our lives as a living sacrifice, Romans 12, 1 and 2, needs to have salt on it. <laughs> what we offer to God must have salt, must be salty. It's that covenant of saltiness, that faith and moving forward with God. Thank you, Jesus. So, Jesus, we thank you so much for entering into this new covenant. It is the new covenant in your blood, a covenant where God the Father, through you, Jesus, has enacted this promise, this covenant, where... We enter in through faith in your name and we are born again into an everlasting salty covenant, covenant of salt, so to speak. But this new testament, new covenant in your blood, you will never back out. Help us never to back off from manifesting all that is included in this covenant with you your life, your love, your authority, your power to heal, to help, to reach out to those in need, to make disciples, to preach the gospel, to live this salty life that Jesus, you, you demonstrated and you, you were our example. Help us to, to move forward with you. Help us to enjoy the journey with you. Help us to enjoy the road, the walk with you. Sometimes the run, sometimes the walk, sometimes the just going purely by faith, you know, even where the senses don't even know which end is up sometimes. But you are our compass. You, show, you are the direction we walk towards. And we thank you 
that you are faithful to your promise and your covenant. You are righteous. You are true. Help us to live with the same faithfulness that you direct towards us. Help us to return to return the, the, the faithfulness and the love with which you love us and the faithfulness that you have to keep your word is undiluted, pure salt. Help us to reciprocate in the same manner in our love, in our salty life, walking by faith, and just in our walk with you. Help us to, to walk with the same heart of faithfulness. In Jesus' name, so you can be glorified. And Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let's go be salty. You are salty. Just let it manifest. Let it, let it out. In Jesus' name. God bless you. If anybody needs prayer or anything, happy to do that. And other than that, coffee, tea, something to nibble on outside. Okay? We love you. God bless you. See you. Hi, my name is Paul Warren Gray with Life Mission. If you'd like more audio and video teachings like this one, please visit our website at www.lifemission.org.za. That's www.lifemission.org.za. And if you are in the Johannesburg area in South Africa, we hope you'll drop in so we can meet you in person. Details are on the website. <laughs>